Hello and welcome to the Research Connection Podcast, the show that brings current expertise and cutting-edge research and connects it with users in the community. So to start, maybe we should just introduce ourselves. I'm Jackie Kirk and I am the Chair of the Department of Leadership and Educational Administration in the Faculty of Education and co-host of the podcast. And why don't you take over then? Okay, I'm the other co-host. Yeah. My name's Michelle Lamb. I'm the director of BU CARES. CARES is the Center for Aboriginal and Rural Education Studies. And Carly, do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Carly Gasparini. I'm the executive director of the Brandon Neighborhood Renewal Corporation. And I am Nancy McPherson. Um, I am co-chair of the Department of Nursing at Brandon University, and I'm an associate professor. And so both of you come to the topic of homelessness. I know Carly as Brandon Neighborhood Renewal Corporation. That's a lot of what you do. Yep. And so in health, how does that how does that connect? In health, we're primarily concerned with housing affordability. Mm. Um, so at a at a population health level, looking at what proportion of our population is struggling. And we've recently released the 2019 Comprehensive Community Health Assessment. Mm-hmm. And what we found in terms of housing affordability in Brandon is that every district has a significantly higher proportion um, than what is deemed acceptable for housing affordability. Mm-hmm. So the cutoff for affordability is considered 30% of the income. Should not uh, up to 30% can be spent on housing. And after that, housing starts to erode the rest of life in terms yeah. of um, food budgets and whatnot. So we found that in, in every district, which is Brandon Downtown, East End, North Hill, South End, and West End, greater than 30% of the population spends more than 30% of, uh, of their income on housing. Has that changed in the last few years or is that a new thing or has that always been the case? We've monitored this indicator for a long time. Um, Certain areas of the city have have always been more fragile, Brandon downtown and Brandon East End primarily, Um, but we're certainly starting to see higher rates within the other districts as well. And so is it the same all over? Like across the country, do we see those same trends of housing being kind of unaffordable? Well, I, yes, and and in fact, if you if you follow the media reports, it it has become a national concern, primarily for young adults. And the question is, mm-hmm. will they ever be able to afford a home? There's lots of commentary about young adults that are still living at home with their parents, which is a very new trend from what you saw 20, 30 years ago, where you graduate from high school and can't get out of the house fast enough. And, and now it seems to be largely driven by, by financial insecurity right. and, and housing. In rural areas, is it quite similar or would it be more affordable if you were to move outside large urban centers? Well, I, I think it's a, it's a complicated issue because on one hand, housing is uh, more affordable in rural communities but there's also less employment opportunities. So you may be mm. able to live there, but I don't know what you would do there. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and so so it's part of the, the depopulation of rural communities is, mm-hmm. is moving towards employment. With that employment, there needs to be housing, there needs to be childcare, there needs right. to be all the social supports to go with it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wonder if it would be harder to measure in rural communities because the income levels would be so much more drastic than if we take a portion 
like a geographic portion of an urban center. There would be more, I think, similarity in income levels, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, there tends to. You know, yes, like we I, have some people in rural mm -hmm. areas that have high income, mm -hmm. right? And uh, housing is very affordable. Yes. Um, but then if there's no work, then we also have people in rural areas that have low income. That's right. Right? Yes. And the housing is the same for all of them because there isn't, mostly there isn't areas of town that. And I think that speaks to a bigger issue, Jackie, that we need to understand population subgroups and the housing needs of those groups because it isn't mm -hmm. a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. I think in future directions, what we ought to be looking at is housing on a continuum. So if we think about emergency short-term housing, right through to the higher end housing units, you know, in the West End of Brandon, and where are we on the entire continuum? Because that's where the population lies. Not everyone wants a four bedroom cab over in the West End or, or needs that or can manage that. So the question is, how do we support individuals who are more vulnerable at the front end to be able to position themselves appropriately on that continuum? I think about transitional housing, for example, for people who are just getting on their feet, you know, whether that is a change in their relationship and their family dynamic, whether that is being released from prison, that they need something now that's temporary to get on their feet and gradually move through the continuum. But we have focused on annexing land in the West End and building a particular type of housing unit as if that's what everyone's looking for. I think that um, I think that there's been so much, I mean, from our end at BNRC, we, we work in the world of homelessness in particular. We also work in the world of affordable housing. Those are, you know, two of our major departments. Even if we're using housing first, you still need places for them to go. Yeah, right. uh, you know, you need units. And if we don't have units, yeah. then, and, and housing first is a model that's, that utilizes the market. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, a specialized, you can use private landlords, you can use private units. And, and we have lots of really great landlords in our community who are open to, to working with our housing first program and take in clients. And basically that person, once they're put into that, that unit, is supported to be there. So, you know, housing first, exactly as it says, right? They're put into the unit and then they're then they're assisted at their at their when they're ready, at their own timeline. And and what we find, not not we, but you know, the research that goes behind it finds is that if you have housing stability, it becomes a whole lot easier to figure out the other things in your life that are mm -hmm. that are struggles. That, you know, if you're if you're committing crimes, that often that is a a result of being desperate if you're addicted to to, to drugs or, or alcohol or some other form of, of escape you're doing that because you're you're avoiding the the stress the the you know the emotional impact of what it's like to live on the streets um, and so you know that's that's if you provide a housing a secure safe place to live you can start to break these things down you can start to feel secure and then ready to take on new things and and we're watching people every day be graduated out of the housing first program and being able to live independently on their own and then they already have the unit they already have this relationship with the, with the landlord and they're able to stay in that unit it's a beautiful model and it's why it's working right and the, and the stability yeah it, it provides the stability to look at everything else in life there there are three key gaps that that i think are are very evident um one is that we need to rethink what we consider healthy public policy 
we need to adopt the health in all policy approach where we look at the policy we create and ask ourselves, what are the health implications of this policy? Is, is, are the decisions that we're about to make going to support health or are there, do they create harmful health impacts? Um, when I look at uh, the focus on, on further development in the West End, it has taken the focus off refurbishing existing housing stock downtown. And it's almost like we can't look across the city we, we have our eye on one part of it and we're, we're missing the whole other piece. And the other in terms of, of public policy is that there is a lot of area for advocacy in terms of social assistance rates. We, we, when I look at the stagnation of, of the social assistance supports and the money that individuals actually have for housing as well as the other aspects of life, then uh, they're woefully inadequate when, when you look at housing costs in Brandon. And we need to understand that the choices people make are based on the choices people have. And if we don't create more reasonable option, then they end up in unaffordable and often unsafe housing or no housing. It, as a result of the decisions that we're making. I think that's really key that sort of people have a reason for behaving as they're behaving or people have a reason for doing what they're doing. And it makes me think as an educator or as someone who's in service delivery or in health, um, when we look at housing in a more holistic way that rather than just staying in education and dealing with just the education, looking at it more broadly to see, oh, maybe there are other factors contributing to stress or contributing to sort of more the social determinants of health and looking at it more broadly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really, despite all of the efforts that have gone and funding that have gone into housing, we re require um, really bold decisions. You know, when you look at all of the housing models that there are globally, that, that we could consider. It, it takes a degree of boldness to say, we're going to trial something. We don't know if it's going to work in our community, but, but there's a part of what we're doing that we know isn't working. And mm -hmm. so we must do something, right? So, you know, something as, as, um, as popular as, you know, whether it's tiny, tiny homes or whether it's infills or whether it's shared accommodation, it doesn't have to be this or that. Mm -hmm. I, if we could think more creatively about new options that we haven't seen before, and um, and and if it doesn't work, then there are lessons learned, I suppose. <laughs> I, I was at a housing conference in Vancouver, and Vancouver has a, a, a community a credit union, sorry, that that does some great funding of, of affordable housing projects, Van City. And there was a private developer in the room and he said, why don't you, and, and Van City only makes their funding available to, to nonprofits. And a private developer said, why don't you make any of your funding available to the private sector? We want to do this with you, but you, we can't because you don't make the funding available to us. And the woman from Van City said, um, the private sector is too big of a risk for us to, to, we have been told very clearly by our members how they want us to invest our money. And the private sector is too big of a risk. The, the nonprofit sector has a commitment to mission. 
that we can get behind. That's what we're investing in is that commitment to mission. And a proven track and record a, of that. Exactly. Yeah. And for me, it was like, yeah, sometimes as nonprofits, we, we undersell ourselves as the experts, right? And this was like, no, this is a financial institution who was ready to, to say, no, the, the nonprofit sector is a better bet here. They are the experts in this. And I don't want us to forget about that in, in this new world of, you know, Manitoba housing and, and the non, you know, even the city and our, and our municipality has, has invested a lot of money in affordable housing. Really, I mean, some could argue both ways, but, but typically municipalities wouldn't see, uh, you know, homelessness or house as part of their, as part of their mandate, right? That's not necessarily what taxpayers are asking them to do. And our, our, Council has been brave and put money forward, and that's and that's fantastic. Um, but even there, we have to hold them accountable too to say, are you looking for the experts in non in in you know in, in affordable housing? If you are giving that money to the private sector, um, and if you are, are you writing into the clauses that they that they have to play in our sandbox? Right, that they have to take the people that we say, you know, score. You know, we ha we have data now. We have a, a a way of saying who needs this housing the most, mm -hmm. and are they willing to take people off of that list? Um, another piece is is right now Manitoba Housing here in Brandon uses BEEP, which is the Brandon Energy Efficiency Program. It's a program of the BNRCs, it uses them extensively for their capital maintenance work on on their units. Uh, BEEP hires individuals with barriers to employment. We move people very well, most of the time off of EIA into employment and then provide them with skills to remove barriers. We help them get their GED. We help them get um, their licenses. We help with childcare, housing, counseling, all sorts of different barriers that, that make it impossible to enter the traditional job market right off the go. And then we move them into the traditional job market. So we move people, you know, really out of poverty through this program. It's it's got you know almost 13 years of a very successful rate of of doing this. And Manitoba Housing has been a very important partner in that because they they are our number one customer, mm -hmm. uh, and we do that work for them. And it's it's a good program. If Manitoba Housing transfers all of their units to the private sector, and I mean right now they are keeping all of the capital work, so presumably we'll keep. But but we have you know we don't know what that'll that look like. Change. It it could all change, and 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 now it's it's not Manitoba Housing requesting capital work on their units. It's a it's another company requesting through the government, and yeah. right like and we have yet to see how that's all going to play out. And of, of course I'm I'm nervous. I'm I'm watching closely. I'm I'm going to keep holding them accountable. I'm going to keep talking about it because. This is important. This isn't just about housing now. It's about employment. It's about helping people with through their addictions into into employment, into housing. It's it's dealing with the whole spectrum, and and these kinds of programs, you know, I, I speak about Beep because I I know it intimately, obviously. But there are good programs across our community and across our province that are doing very good work, and I and I think that 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 will there's a domino effect here, right? If if they do this, then that's going to affect that, you know, mm -hmm. and so we we have to consider all of the implications of what we're doing to make sure that that affordable housing is is kind of that center but then it, it's going to ripple effect through all sorts of other things which is why those not-for-profits who are heavily engaged in the housing issue need to be part of that strategizing and the planning and not just the recipient of the decisions that are made yeah. right because you are actually the boots on the ground that can make much of this work happen. Mm -hmm.
I just really appreciate the opportunity to come together and talk about housing yeah, because it is a critical a issue in our community. I think one of the things we should never lose sight of is the fact that Brandon is the absolute ideal size mm -hmm. to work collaboratively, to trial new ideas. We're all, um, we're well connected. You know, if, if, if we can't do it in Brandon, I don't know how <laughs> Toronto would ever even, even try. Thank you for listening to the Research Connection podcast. You can visit our website for links to everything that was mentioned in the episode and for more Research Connection content at www.brandonu.ca slash bu-cares. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you can stay up to date with current research that impacts your community. Thank you.